Yes, Father God, we thank you that the war has been won. We are victorious. We're more than conquerors through him who loves us. We thank you that uh, we have overcome through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives to the death. And so we thank you for getting us into that place of uh, invincibility where we will walk in the power of your grace, your joy, your peace, Lord God, and that we'll look to you, walk in your spirit. I praise you and thank you that you Lord Jesus walked in the power and the anointing of your Father when you did his will. You loved him. You laid down your life. You gave your life for us. That is true love. No greater love than this has a man than to lay down his life for his friends. So thank you again for salvation. Thank you for keeping us through the midst of this miserable, wicked, scary, corrupt, evil, whatever world that Satan is trying to pull and crash down around our heads and our minds. We thank you for victory. And we also thank you for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done will be able to be used by the enemy to take after us, our families, those who work for us, pray for us, and love us, cover and keep and, 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 and conceal us into the sa- in the safety of the palm of your hand. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, to love or not to love, <laughs> that, that is, is the, the question. question. Yes, indeed, and that is the big question all throughout everything, because Everything either operates under the counsel of love or the counsel of fear. And uh, I know the Word of God has some very straight things to say, easy, not easy to do, but easy to hear about love. Yeah, well, look at Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. If you have your Bible, you can look there. If you don't, just go ahead and listen. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. Mm -hmm. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It makes me think about what you read last time in Galatians uh, is it 5.19 about the works of the flesh. It's just the exact contrary or opposite of that. Um, and so when you're work, working and walking in the law of love, you won't be doing the works of the flesh. But look at what the, Jesus says in the Our Father. I know in Matthew it says, um, uh, give us uh, debts or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, I think it says like that. Mm-hmm. And in Luke he says, um, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, the question is, what is that debt that we owe to everyone um, that seems to be kind of unpaid? Well, yeah, a debt is something that you owe, and you... He says to owe no man anything but to love one another, right? Right. So this is, we have a, a debt This is my commandment pay, that you, yeah. You know, to one another. Paul said he was a debtor to preach the gospel to the... To mm-hmm. the Jews, the barbarians, to everybody, to, he was a debtor. He owed people the gospel of Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what we owe to one another is love. 
But, you know, people read about that. I mean, you read First John about the love of God. You read it, you know, for he's to love the world. We, we read about love and we say, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I agree with that. But we really don't know how to um, get past the reading of it into the revelation of it. And the revelation, because if you just read it, it's going to turn into religion, a religious duty or not a desire, not a devotion, but a duty. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And it becomes mechanical. It becomes, uh, you know, we're giving lip service to love. I think a lot of believers in their families, you know, we know it's the right thing to say. It's to talk about lip service to love. But really when it comes down to loving, laying down your life, letting go of your yourself, uh, and and stop making everything all about your your about you about your offenses or whatever, uh, and then getting back to what God says. It's like um, there's there's a lot of whole a whole different world, if you will, in experiencing the true love of God, which means you know, blessed is He who's not offended because of me, and 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 all these kinds of things. So let's kind of look into this today a little bit about um, what it means to pay that debt. Uh, oh, no man, anything except to love one another. Well, it takes a revelation uh, to realize you have to, first of all, you have to realize that God loves you. Yeah. God loves us. And First John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. And he committed his love for us, it says in uh, Romans chapter 5, that while we were yet sinners, while we were, we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And that's the greatest love there could be. Jesus says the great, greatest love humanly is to lay down your mm-hmm. life for, the, for your friends. He said here now the greatest love, he demonstrated the greatest love is to lay down your life even for your enemies. You pay the debt of love even to those who are yes. opposed to you. Yes, we know that Jesus passed the love test a hundred million ways, and he did. But the thing is, we don't. We don't get it. We we're we're because we're hung. Here's the deal: the whole the whole fight in the war is between love and fear. Those are the two powers, the two uh, entities. You know, fear from hell, love from God, of course. And so we begin to um, we don't realize how much fear we have been programmed to live under, and how it, you know actually we don't to love people is super dangerous. It's super emptying. You can't think about yourself. I mean, not that we're going to be a doormat here. We got to, and it's not about balance either, but we have to know that I need to be, abide in Jesus Christ who is love and then do what he says. And so, but that most of us, we operate out of a spirit of reaction and fear, like we talked about last week. And you know what that's about? It's really about recognizing this spirit that it's not just a spirit of fear, but it, it works with fear. It's kind of uh, enveloped in sphere is this unloving spirit. Yeah, what is a, an unloving spirit? That's a new term for a lot of people. Uh, what is an un, We know about hatred mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, um, or despising, or what, how do we, whatever yeah. you want to, how you want to describe bitterness, it. Bitterness, rancor, yeah. Bitterness, rancor, that sort of thing. But what exactly is an unloving spirit? Well, and I would say, you know, it's kind of a new term. I think one of the first people that I heard ever use it was Henry Wright, and he does a lot of work in his uh, books on healing in a more excellent way, giving him some credit here, that that help people get out of that place of fear, panic, sickness, infirmity, all those things, sickness, weakness, all that comes from uh, the works of fear, not 
you know, not, well, and the perfect love, love heals us. So the unloving spirit really is the opposite of peace, the opposite of love, the opposite of knowing that you're, you're loved. Unloving spirits are, you know, feeling offended or, you know, when people, uh, you know, don't feel connected when they've, and then this happens all the time. As a matter of fact, Satan's biggest goal is to get us to not know who we are. And part of knowing who we are is that we are absolutely loved by God. And when you know you're absolutely loved by the most powerful being in the universe, and he loves you, and he wants you, he made you specifically, he knows who you are, he's got a plan for your life. When you know that, you're pretty invincible because you're resting in the truth of God and his goodness. But if you don't know that, which Satan doesn't want you to know, then you're going to be hit up by the unloving spirit. Here's part of that invincibility you're talking about in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but perfect love casts mm-hmm. out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So love, when you know, there's a security. When you know that you're loved and when you, you're able to love, you have that revelation of the love of God for you. And, 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 uh, and then there's, you're, peace. there's a reciprocation mm-hmm. of love for him and then love for others. Fear is gone. There's a boldness there because you know who you are. And you know that you are loved, and the torment then mm-hmm. is gone. Right. And uh, so. But how many people are tormented and and attacked, uh, undermined, programmed um, by this unloving spirit or the spirit of fear? Well, we were talking earlier, Marjorie, today before we came on, about um, in childhood. Uh, so many children do not realize that they are loved. Absolutely. And and they might be given a lot of stuff they might be given a lot of attention and so forth but do they really know who they are who they are because do the parents know who they are yeah. and are able to you know the bible proverbs 22 6 says train up a child in the way that he should go mm-hmm. not what the parent wants them to be but how is that child wired and 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 what's the call what are the callings and well, giftings of that child so if, if you get that unloving spirit it's can a, grab a hold of us, right. right? Even, even actually in the womb. Absolutely, the spirit before rejection. we're born. And, and you know, these are very powerful things because we're very wired in relationships to care about what people think. If we're loved, if we're included, if we're wanted, if we're good, and we take almost all of our cues about who we are and our value from two things: our behavior, how we perform, and how other people treat us or see us. And so little, little, very little is going back to the word and say, but, but this is who I am. And so when you have parents that are either absent or over, over the top fearful and they try to create this perfect child or they don't care about the child at all, and you've got everything on this gamut of being raised by people who are themselves fearful, unloved. Some, many don't know God, not there. Mom's not happy. Dad's gone. Uh, terror, you know, there's a lot of fear and terror in a child's life because you're so dependent upon these people. And so one of the things we want to do then is try to take control. And the way we do that is we try to make them happy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say how much of our motivation in life is based on fear. Well, all of it. Because we we don't want to look bad. Mm -hmm. We we might look bad or something might happen to us. Or we might not. Or we want to prove that we are somebody by 
performing some task. And we've been taught to judge one another, judging performances, judging tasks, judging uh, all kinds of things. So we're really not being allowed free to be who we are. And I think this is one of the bigger issues of parenting is that your child is feeling, you know, like maybe they're a little round peg and you're trying to stuff them in a square hole or something like that. Because, you know, to know them, to, to really study them, receive them for who they are, delight in them. They're going to be, you got four kids, they're all going to be really different probably from one another. And you can't just, you know, use a cookie cutter kind of approach to your children. But if you let them know who they are and be okay with that, just make sure that they're safe and they know God and they know the love of God and you're, and they're going to know the love of God for through you, then they're going to start to know who they are and they're going to be confident. But if you have children who are trying to make everybody happy and please everybody, they're going to turn out to be little liars. They're going to be pretenders. They're going to be controllers. They're going to try to, um, you know, run the show, make, you know, or hide whatever they're going to do. All of these things that they take then into their next phases of life, into marriage, into, into then into parenting themselves as, as being parents. Uh, and then into their old age. So the whole thing is Satan can kind of, you know, seal us from the love of God um, through fear, through the way we're raised. And so a lot of times the way we're raised is, you know, has to be undone. We have to be uh, deprogrammed. We have to go back to the word of God, which programs us by the power of the Holy Spirit to tell us the truth about what's really going on, as opposed to what we are traumatized or tricked into believing. We don't have to prove that we are our worth. So I, I know people that um, people that are driven, say people in, in the business world, they're driven to accomplish so much and they may, it looks ostensibly, it looks like they've mm-hmm. a, accomplished a lot, but part of it, mm-hmm. the motivation goes back to childhood where I want to prove to dad well, yeah. that I am somebody. And also the thing too that, um, you know, if we if we be and abide instead of, and belong, be, abide, and belong, instead of behave, 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 and, and accomplish, we're going to look like we're not doing anything. We're going to look like we're not productive. We're going to look like, uh, you know, like we're kind of like losers, like we don't have any, uh, you know, thing to show off in our life. Well, no accomplishments, no fancy cars, no bring new houses, whatever. But so to, to take that route of being, abiding, and belonging to Jesus is, is different, it's courageous. It's uh, not uh, considered, it's not um, acclaimed. It's not promoted. It's not what most people are taught. They're mostly taught, do the religious thing. Check off the box, you know, it, it, do the commandments. But the commandments have all been reduced down to or, or upgraded to, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. That means to really empty yourself out, let go of yourself. You're not... Um, it's not all about me anymore, getting people to like me or me being anything. It's about me emptying myself out to be uh, a part of that vine. Yeah, and loving others, you don't know if it's, you're going to be reciprocated. And and if you have the true love of Christ, it's it's always nice mm-hmm. to, to love people and they love you back. But if you love people and they don't love you back, some people say, well, forget this. I don't want to try this. But the thing is, we we are called to be secure enough in the love of the Lord that mm-hmm. whether we are received or rejected, yeah. in a sense, it doesn't really matter to us. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep loving 
anyway. Well, it looks like, you know, what happens is when you're little, Satan puts a lot of hooks in us with ropes, and he tries to pull on those ropes to manipulate us, to pull us this way or that way, to bind us up, to trip us up, to tie us up, to choke us, whatever he does. But some of those ropes are like, um, the you know, big, big one is man fear. Being afraid of being rejected, being afraid of uh, what people will think. And I think this is, and this hooks right into shame and shame and guilt, and I did something wrong, and I and the secrets, and I don't want them to know me, which is the contrary to letting them know you, which is love. To know someone is to love them, to not, you know, not care, not ask a question. When you're in a conversation, you make it all about you instead of all about them, um, and you come away from that conversation knowing nothing about them. That's really, <laughs> that's really selfish, I guess you'd say, or it's kind of ignorant. But so to get to know that person, realizing that each one that you're looking at out there, each one, whether they're, um, they're, they're for you or against you, whether they're smart or stupid, whether they're in or out, they all have a soul. And that soul is absolutely eternal. It's absolutely precious to God. And it's absolutely going to spend its, its whole rest of eternity somewhere in heaven or hell. And so we, as the ambassadors of Christ who've died to, you know, the Bible says you crucified with Christ. We're dead. So now it's not about me achieving anything anymore. It's about God achieving his achievements, his desires, his actions through us, which is basically to love. And he said, in the last days, they will know you're my disciples by the love, by your willingness to lay down your life, by your willingness to share, by your willingness to not be offended, by your willingness to take the, go the second mile, if it's time to do that. It's your, by your willingness to not set up a boundary. Honestly, people who are religious and following God, they chit chat all the time about their boundaries and you're crossing my boundaries and you're entering into my space. Now, I understand we have a bit of personal space, which means that at some point people get a little too close and maybe you want them to get really close and give them a hug, give them a kiss, whatever. But at sometimes they're getting kind of into your space and it's a threatening thing. I understand that. But, but we also understand that we are not here to set up those boundaries because it's like you draw the line and you say, okay, if you, if, you, if you stay within your side of the line, on your side of the line, then we'll be good. But if you cross that line, if you come over to my side and you, and you come into my space or you come into my world or you mess my stuff up, then, you don't, then I don't love you. But then we're just working on a conditional format of love as opposed to an unconditional format. And Jesus said, you know, Again, it might get to the point where you have to lay down your life for someone, and it might even be that they don't even like you. That's what it was for Jesus. They, we lay, he laid down his life. We didn't even like him. So it's not a matter of boundaries. It's a matter of what time is it. Mm-hmm. To everything, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. There's yeah. a time to gather. There's a time to throw away. So when we're led by the Spirit of mm-hmm. God, we don't have to worry about boundaries or balance. That's right, because God is in, in, he's in all, he's in us, and he is willing, his spirit is giving us wisdom and counsel. I mean, we're tempted. I, there are times, I understand, when we, when we do get angry, because there, we're also sensitive to the injustices around us. And the Bible says, yeah, that's okay, but then don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know what I'm saying? Let it be not uh, become the predominant motive because what anger is is it's a sensitivity to in the injustice and when you're coming to that place of feeling ripped off or lied to or whatever the key is to forgive what does that mean that means you defeat the unloving spirit going back to the unloving spirit who wants you to stay mad wants you to get defensive or guarded or or reject them or turn or or be offended that's another one defensive or offended 
um, you know, you take matters into your own hands, take things personally. Notice what that says. I'm offended. Then I, that means I've taken something personally. Well, what, what is personal anymore? I'm dead. You know, how can I be offended? Jesus was the, he could have been offended every day with all the people, all the slams, all this, all the espionage, all the set, setting traps and, and scoffing and ridiculing and whatever they did to him all the time. But he just kept going forward in the love of God, laid down his life, even for those who hated him. And he didn't look to man. He said he knew what was in man. Well, it's in us to be deceived by fear and the unloving spirit. The unloving spirit tries to put up those walls, those barriers, so that you won't cross into the place of sacrifice or laying down your life or loving someone or caring or crying or helping them carry carry their burden. I mean, there, there's nothing in the world that is more powerful than love. There's no, and But to love, you have to be very courageous. It's the most powerful weapon in the world. It's, but you have to be willing to, you can only use that weapon if you, it's not about you. It's only about what God wants and laying down your life. So you don't take up an offense. You don't, um, you know, and then you can be who you are. You can be free to be who you are because you're not afraid. You're not afraid of what they will say or think because you're in, you don't have to please them. You don't have to bribe them to love you. You don't have to feel insecure around them because you can just be who you are. And we can see one another as God sees us, as God sees them. Uh, in Matthew nine thirty six, but when, when he, that is Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So when he saw the people, he, you know, people of all ages, uh, all situations, he was moved with compassion. Right. I mean, it, it really means, the word there means just like out of his innermost Inner being, being mm-hmm. out of his guts, he was moved. There was love there, that not just feeling, but he, he was moved to heal them, give them the gospel of the kingdom, and lay down his life for them. So, how we see others. We can't just look at outward appearance and be offended by the way people behave or act toward, because, yeah. toward others or toward us because we when can, you see them, you can love them when you see them more and more the way Jesus mm-hmm. actually sees them. Well, you can, and when, when you can, you can really read or understand or recognize what's really going on by just looking at and, and recognizing it and saying, okay, that, they're acting out of a, defensive. They're acting out of hurt. They're acting out of um, fear. And so w- when we understand that, then we can say, take a step back and say, okay, Lord, what is what do you want me to do? There's fear here. There's the unloving spirit. There's a rejection. Um, and then we try, you know, we get caught on those torture racks we were talking about, I think last time too, about trying to solve those irresolvable conflicts, which are always lose-lose situations where um, you're trying to get someone to love you and uh, who you're afraid of, or you're trying to make someone happy who's mad at you all the time, or you're trying to um, tell someone what they want to hear, even though it's not the truth. It's not who you really are. In other words, it's not safe for you to be yourself around them because they're fearful, insecure, and controlling, and they want to, want to make you into their image, I guess you'd say, into their image as, as opposed to God's. And so, um, or you want, we want to fix things to make things safe and right. But see, we're really hooked up, hung up on this idea of safety. And, um, you know, that is not necessary. Safety is only comes from God. It only comes from knowing that God has got this. God is good. God loves us. 
And, you know, what's it going to take for us to know that we are loved by God? What is it going to take except not more Bible reading necessarily, because a lot of people have read those scriptures that we read earlier. They, re- they read through them, they, they memorize them, they can quote, they can tell you where it's located, and they don't know a thing about it because they have not yet really experienced it. We all need to experience more of what love is. I, I, I'm not claiming to have arrived there yet, like Paul says, um, not having apprehended, but going forward. Um, and as you go forward in your walk with Jesus, whatever that walk is, if you can understand that whatever he's permitting in your life right now, whether it's a difficult relationship or it's an illness or it's a disappointment, uh, it's a setback, it's a it's some sort of a difficult trial that you've been in a long time or you can't seem to get out of, which kind of comes against the idea that we're loved. I mean, if God loves me, why does he let all this stuff keep going on? And why can't we get some um, breakthroughs here? If we understand that, you know, yes, both God and Satan are both working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing. When Satan makes a move in our life to bring us to that place of fear and the unloving spirit provoking us to get mad, retaliate, hold a grudge, uh, get bitter. <clears throat> when we get to that place of the, of, that's the war. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to believe that? Are you going to go with that? Choose that? Take your stand uh, in favor of, you know, bitterness and, and, and resentment? Or are you going to die and say, Lord, thy will be done? So in your trial, in our trials, everything that Satan is trying to do to break you, God is actually doing to make us. And, you know, I was just realizing, should have known this already, you'd think, that Job had two trials. <clears throat> the first time Satan came, he just just took his finances and his family, which is huge, not a small thing. Even taking one member of the family or maybe even wiping out one bank account or would have been, you know, or burning down one house or one field would have been a lot. But the whole thing, both family and finances were wiped out basically in one fell swoop. And then he, Satan went back up into heaven and God says, have you seen my righteous servant Job? He hasn't basically, he hasn't flinched. You, you put all this stuff on him and he's still righteous. He's still walking. And Satan says, well, let me test him again. So there was a second trial. So in the second test, which was the, the, the physical problem, um, he was, you know, struck down basically. And all Job could really do was just sit there. I mean, and scratch his wounds. I, he couldn't, you know, and try to defend himself against his, uh, his unfriendly friends, you know, non-comforters who came in to try to find guilt and, and play, place blame on him. And then, and ultimately pl- by placing blame on him, they're placing blame on God um, because God is mad at him because he broke his law. And this is, this is where it always goes. This is where it always goes when you're in religion, when you're trying to keep the law, keep the rules, check the boxes. It always goes to that place of what did you do wrong? So God is mad at you. So you don't really know if you're going to go to that place where what did you do? God's mad at you. You're actually saying God's love for you is conditional. It's dependent on your behavior and you blew it. And so now God is mad at you. And so flipping that to the next side of the coin, it's, oh, well, then God loves con- only conditionally. He is mad at me. Um, I have to do something to be something. I have to do it better. And you're actually judging God as being what we are or what the devil is. We're judging him as being unloving. And and you say, well, you know, I don't know if God's loving all the time because, you know, what did he do that for? And why didn't he do that? And he should have done that. And over there, he could have done that. And he didn't do that. And why is he letting all this bad stuff happen? And da, 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 on and on and on. 
the indictments can go against God, against the idea that God is love or that God is loving. And, and these are the temptations of the unloving spirit to get you to go in into an agreement with him that God doesn't care. God's not there. You know, and some people have so been so stumbled over that, stumbled over that dilemma that they just say, well, pff, there's no God. Well, you know, I'll just be my own God. Well, I'll look to the devil. He'll be my God. He'll be nice to me. Well, the devil will be nice to you for a while, a little while maybe. And then he turns on you. And when, once he turns on you, the, your only hope after that is to come back to the Lord and be rescued by him because the devil never changes his mind. He's hated us from the beginning. So going back to judging God, and this is part of the big problem too, is that we have been set up in a, a, relig- a religion-based uh, behavior system where it's all about behavior versus being. And so religion, if you just are reading the, the words and checking the boxes and don't have the revelation of the love of God, it is simply rote. It is mechanical. It is a dead form, a lip service of, to love. So when you're in a relationship, thinking about it even now, as we are going through this month of relationships, relationships are like roads. And there's a, there's a house on one end and a house on the other end. And you travel back, we travel back and forth to each other's houses. But if those roads get all broken down and full of broken glass and, you know, potholes and trees falling over the roads and it's unkept and, you know, it's, it's the infrastructure is breaking down. After a while, we just say, you know what, I'm just safer. I'll just be by myself. I just take care of myself. I won't reach out, venture out. I might be rejected. They will be mad at me. Maybe they're mad at me today. I don't think I'll. And so we don't give of ourselves. We don't let them know who we are. We don't finish the sentences in our conversations. We kind of leave everything dangling. We go to the silent treatment, you know, because if they don't know what I'm thinking, then they can't make, they can't. The one who's, who holds on to the silence is the one who has the power because the, the information, they have the information. You don't know what's going on. And so it's all about trying to manipulate or overpower someone else. But with the the security of knowing I am loved, I am good, I'm I've been crucified with Christ, I've been risen again. I'm I'm a, my city, my home, my country, my world is not here. It's up there with Him. I am just down here now as a, a special forces. I'm having special forces right down here to promote love, to teach and preach and walk and show and demonstrate love to people. Then your life will have some meaning and some purpose. And all the issues, all the things that we go through in our lives are really geared by God to teach us love, mm-hmm. to bring us into all, all of it is about learning love, learning well, the love it. of the Father for us, learning the love that he has for each of us mm-hmm. and for one another. Yeah. It's all about learning how can I love and God knows how to do that because he sets us up in these trials and these fiery trials where we have to come to him. You know, you can't love someone you don't know. You can't love someone you never talk to. You can't love someone you don't show any interest in or exchange any words with. You can't love someone or, or who you don't share yourself with uh, or, or that you, you can't love someone you don't trust. So if we're going to know the love of God, a lot of our trials force us into that place of, desperation, if you will, to let go of ourselves and seek God and surrender, I get is a good word, surrender to God and trust him to love us. So this is 
your challenge and mine is not just to get other people to love us. It is to know that we're loved, to defeat the unloving spirit, to know that God is love. And I believe when the, when we come to that place of love, your body is going to settle down. You're going to get healthy. You're going to come to that place of, of peace within your systems. There's going to be harmony. There's going to be justice and goodness from organ to organ and vibration to vibration and things will be harmonious. And that is health. And so we have to walk in that place of of letting God do what he's doing in us because he's He's the one who's doing it and he's doing it for a purpose. He's got a purpose. It's not to crush you. It is actually to, to make you uh, create His the image of Jesus Christ in us. And that's the goal that God has for us is to uh, make us like Jesus, to be conformed, it says in Romans chapter 8, to be conformed to the image of his son, mm-hmm. to be like Jesus. And who God is love. Jesus is God's love gift to the world. Right. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Having loved his own who is who are in the world, it says of Jesus in, in John chapter 13, verse 1, he loved them to Unto the, the end. end. You know, so the thing is, going back for just a second to that unloving spirit, again, he, is going, he, he's, he fills us with pain. He fills us with fear. He fills us with coldness, numbness. I don't care. Spiritual blindness. I don't want to see anything anymore. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to do anything. Uh, I don't need any help. Um, I don't need to change. I don't, I, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I'm afraid of conflict. I'm afraid of rejection. I've, it's really a bottom line, unloving spirit is fear of being known. And yet you have to know that God knows you completely already. So what, who are we kidding here? Um, we, we want to begin. Now, if you want to walk out of this, we're going to talk your way out of it. You're going to talk your way out of this problem by talking to the Lord and pouring out your complaints before him. There's a lot of Psalms where David is usually using those very words. We can use them too. God, where are you? How long? When is it, when is it going to change? Um, you know, he's walking himself, talking himself through the misery, but he's talking it out to God. And so I believe really encourage you and I to spend that time pouring out your complaint before the Lord because God hears us. And so uh, today, Father God, we just thank you for uh, drawing us near, even through the trials, the fiery trials that seem to be intensifying all around us in our lives and the people we know and love. Father God, that you are merciful, you are faithful. We're not going to listen to or believe what we see, what we feel, what it looks like, what other people are saying, that there's no love, there's no hope. We're going to believe you, Lord God, that you've got a plan and you are love and your plan is to love and be loved giving us love and knitting us together as a family to know that we are together. We're not alone. We do belong to you and you belong to us and we can help other people find that same place of safety. Father, we ask these things in Jesus name. And by the way, again, we're featuring this week, uh, this yeah month of February, whatever, um, doing relationships God's way as a kind of a manual on talking through some very relationship difficulties with difficult people, difficult situations, your relationship with sin, with God, with, you know. And with yourself? Yeah, with yourself, exactly. And so again, check it out, liferecovery.com uh, on the website. And one more thing, hey guys, um, if you really want to help us out, give us some, uh, rate us, give us some reviews, put the reviews or rate us in the uh, opportunity boxes. Some of you know how to do that. Some of you don't. Can you check that out and just say, hey, I re- don't just give us a high five or a thumbs up. If you can just put a word or two in there, that would really help us in our ratings uh, and help other people find us. And that's another thing too. If you can tell people about us, thank you for the ones of you who have been listening to us for such a long time. You're such a blessing to us. You're a, vi- a big encouragement to us. So 
God bless you, bless you, bless you, and we'll see you again next week. I have an emergency. What is your location? 